Welcome to the More Great Seats for Kids podcast. I'm your host, Mike Lazinski, Director of Communications for the SUNY Charter Schools Institute. Today we have a short but special episode. First, we talk with Christy Swanson, Experiential Learning Coordinator at Finn Academy Charter School, which serves students in K-6 in Elmira, New York. Christy discusses her role, what makes experiential learning so critical to the academic program at Finn, and offers advice to other schools seeking to cohesively integrate hands-on activities within their academic program. Then I have some highlights from a conversation I had with five high-achieving sixth graders at Finn about their experiences there. Before we start, though, a bit of housekeeping. If you like this or any of our past episodes, please leave a rating or review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast feed. Also, for those on Twitter, you can find us at, at SUNY Charters. All right, now on to the show. All right, Christy, thank you very much for uh, for joining us here today. Um, so how's the school year going? So far, the school year is going really well. The kids are happy to be here. Um, the staff seems really excited and engaged, and it's going great. So you have a, a very interesting role here. You are the FINS Experiential Learning Coordinator. So can you talk a little bit about what that role entails? So this role is new this year to the school and to me, um, and we're kind of building it as we go. So there's a lot of hats that I've worn in the school in the past, um, and we found a lot of value in the different things that myself and many other people have brought as far as experiences and connecting our expeditionary learning to all the standard learning that kids do in every school. Um, And so the goal of this role was really to solidify the support for teachers in doing that kind of learning. So we've always done hands-on things, we've always done expeditionary learning, and we've always tried to bring students out of the classroom and do all this extra stuff. But as you know, you know, teachers are asked to do so, so much. And sometimes asking them to also do a hands-on activity just feels like one more thing piled on. Um, and they don't necessarily feel the support to do that. So my role is really to be able to bring that to them and take that off their plate. Um, so that the kids can have that value added from the experiences, whether it be an expert coming to visit them, a field study, going out into the garden and getting their hands in the dirt, whether to make cultural cooking connections or scientific connections, um, and a lot of other, you know, hands-on, kind of fits in the STEM realm, but also sure. all that other stuff without just bogging teachers down with so much more stuff. So um, I am sometimes the expert. I am sometimes the facilitator. I am sometimes the lesson planner. Um, and all of that just kind of helps teachers get these kids more actively engaged in their, in their learning. Yeah, I was talking yesterday to uh, a few parents uh, of some Finn scholars, and one of them mentioned how they love that their daughter now loves Swiss chard because <laughs> she had an opportunity to grow it in the garden and yeah. learn recipes to how to use it. And the father was like, you know, I love cheeseburgers, but she's talking all about Swiss chard. And like, now she's introducing it to the entire family. So that's great. So um, why is experiential learning so important? Uh, what's the value add for, for students and, and for Finn? Well, um, I think it's kind of a no-brainer that, you know, nobody wants to just sit there and be told things and have to learn things, you know, through rote or through memorization. Um, And a lot of us remember from our education growing up, you know, the things that you remember most are those active things, Um, especially for either our more physically active kids or um, neurodivergent kids or boys in general. They need to kind of be a little bit more active, especially at a young age. So by getting their hands on things, they're learning without even realizing it. Um, it's kind of like play, but still learning. So within school, you know, we keep it structured, we keep it focused and disciplined, but they're also, you know, last week we made mud pies, 
which, you know, maybe sounds like a preschool activity, but we connected it to a story about the third graders are learning about access to books and education around the world. They learned about a school in Kenya where the rains wash the school building away every year. So the first activity is to build desks out of mud and they have to build the bricks and build the facility. And that's how the kids start their school year every year in that community. And so we went outside and we got mud and we made bricks and we're going to build them into our own mini model fin. Um, so we made like our own little mud Lego. So yes, they were playing in the mud, but they also were making that connection to how other cultures are and to how other communities learn, which is really fun for them. I actually heard about that during the focus group too, where uh, one of the parents talked about how their uh, son was outside making some sort of a structure with, with mud bricks in their homes. And she was just really excited that he was outside doing that. They came home absolutely filthy, but she was saying, because he was putting that, <laughs> what he learned in the classroom into practice at home. So that's great. So how do you, um, when you come up with these project ideas, like where do they come from? Are you brainstorming them yourself? Like, and how are you connecting them to the, to the curriculum? So I don't come from an educational background. I come from a science background. I have a bachelor's in science in horticulture and forestry. Um, I'm a farm kid from way back. And so I started at the school as a volunteer. I have become more and more involved over the years, um, including during the COVID. Um, everybody trying to do everything they can for, um, for education. I was a substitute teacher. Um, I just love kids. I love seeing them engaged. I have three kids of my own um, who've all attended this school. And so I'm an ideas person. I have this, I come up with crazy harebrained screens all the time. They don't always work out, but um, through the more disciplined people around me, they say, okay, okay, that's a great idea, but how can we make it actually work in a classroom? So yeah, we sit down, we have grade level team meetings, we have meetings with leadership, um, other people, you know, the kitchen staff, Leah Navone is our wellness coordinator and our chef, and she has great ideas. And we just sit and talk about these topics that are coming up. Um, standards that are difficult for kids to get their heads around and how can we make it more engaging? How can we get them doing something that connects without them even realizing they're connecting? So That's great. So do you have any uh, advice for schools looking to introduce more experiential learning opportunities into their own classroom? I mean, a really obvious one is think outside the box, right? Like what is something that you could do that maybe you have found fun in your own life or entertaining in your own life? Or memorable from your own education and how can you bring that back? Um, I know a lot of times we worry about how is this going to work for our kids who have special needs or how is this going to work for our kids who are really struggling struggling in the classroom who maybe even with behaviors you know I don't know if I can bring in knives and cooking utensils and heat and have these kids cooking because I can't trust them to not hit each other with pencils and textbooks <laughs> but I have found that those kids often are the ones who respond the best. I've had moments where, you know, I'm setting up a lesson to cook and I'm looking at this kid saying, I'm going to have to send him to the office because he's just not being safe and he's going to have to leave the space, but I'll get them all started. And as soon as I got them set, then I will, you know, find him a better place to be. And then I turn around and he is actively engaged and involved and is the model student for the rest of the lesson. So just don't be afraid to really challenge your students. They're going to surprise you at how well they do with this stuff. Chrissy, thank you very much for uh, joining me here today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Next up, a few highlights from my conversation with 11-year-olds Jacob Draxler, Ivan Matos, Tegan Madison, and Savannah Lynn, as well as 10-year-old J.C. Gold. First up, here is Ivan, Tegan, and Jacob discussing some recent science projects and debate club. So I was in a classroom yesterday, and uh, it was a fourth grade class. 
where they're learning how to make like beaded artwork. Oh, um, that's my brother's. Oh, really? Oh, what very cool. Did you go to? Um, I can't remember the teacher's name off the top of my head right now, but Dylan. It might have been Dylan. Yeah. Yeah, because I thought it was. What types of projects have you all worked on? Um, that are you know kind of the hands-on type projects. Oh, um, well, like this morning we like had these test tubes and we had a liquid. And we had to put the liquid in the test tubes and like a material or a cotton ball, and then we would see like observe how they would react with the material. Oh, um, and every Thursday, some of us do enrichment and found Cabot today. We're doing a debate club, so we're just debating some interesting topics that I find cool. Um, my favorite, like, hands-on experience was the Kool-Aid one we did last year. Oh, it yeah. Was, so it was, like, concentration. Like, you, it was, Saturated. Like, one scoop of Kool-Aid, two scoops of Kool-Aid. Until you got to, was it five? I want to say it was six or seven. Yeah. It was, like, ten. Well, <laughs> no. I don't think our teacher would let us have ten Kool-Aids. In a tiny little cup lot, like, that big. Yeah. It was really, it was really good after. Yeah, oh, yeah. What did you learn from that? It was um, about saturation, concentration. We learned that, like, the more powder you put in, the stronger, like, flavor. And the more saturated it gets with. The more saturation it has. Yeah. Mm. I was going to say, if you just have, like, one scoop, it's just going to taste like water. But having ten of them, it was just going to taste all the powder. Yeah. And it would be harder for the water to keep mixing all the stuff in Yeah. Because you had to stir it up, but then like at a moment it just got too full, I should say, and it just wouldn't stir. So what other types of projects have you done like that? Oh, Oh, we did this one where it was like, so they, um, it was like mystery liquids and you had to like figure out like how to stack them. Like you pour it into like the little test tube and there would be like colors with more salt in them. And when you pour them in, they would like not mix. So I thought that one was really like cool. Like you could stack like the colors on top of each other, but if you did it in a wrong pattern, they would just make a blend of color. Yeah. So why do you like those hands-on type projects? Well, it gives you like a really good visual on what you're trying to learn, and it shows how it works like in real life. It makes class less boring. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Finn also focuses on college prep from a young age to spur big dreams for their students. We'll end with JC and Savannah discussing what they want to be when they grow up. Thanks for listening to today's app. Oh, uh, I want to be, like, if I do end up going to college, I want to be a marine biologist. Oh. And if I don't, I want to be a YouTuber. <laughs> <laughs> I have a son who wants to be a YouTuber as well, so yeah. What about you? Um, it's either a doctor or a dentist. I don't know. Sometimes I want to be a doctor, sometimes I want to be a dentist. We'll keep working hard. Maybe I'll just do both. I love that. I love that. Not very much spare time then, huh? Mm.